listen openly with an open heart, an open mind. Don't always try to get your agenda. Try to think about the other person and and put yourself in their shoes, empathize with them. Ask questions, you know, just find out more from the other person. I think that if people listened more to each other in the world, it'd just be such, such a better place, you know. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back. If we haven't met before, great to meet you. My name is Aaron. We tap into the stories of some of the world's most successful people, and not just successful people, ordinary people too, to understand what made them who they are and how they are collectively making our world a better place. If you're looking for dopamine, inspiration, new knowledge, or actions that you can take today to become a better future self, you have come to the right place. To learn more about us, you can head over to our website, www.transformativepurpose.com. And please don't forget to follow, rate, and share if you enjoy our content. Everything you see here is run by myself and a small team, and we'll really appreciate it. And last but not least, our mission is to build a global community to inspire. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the new episode on Transformative Purpose Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about communication today. So we've invited an expert, Hannah, to talk about how to become a more effective communicator in a multinational setting. Welcome on the podcast, Hannah. Apparently, we met five years ago at a wedding. <laughs> Apparently, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, it was so funny how we found each other on LinkedIn and found out that we have a very common friend and con- common connection. Yeah, and uh, this person happened to be one of our best friends too. <laughs> exactly, I know it's it really is a small world, uh, and I've also learned that you know you live in Hong Kong, and I was born in Hong Kong as well, so that was really nice to to have that in common. Yeah, do do tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, well, so um, I'm a communication coach for um, people who work in multinational companies. And uh, that kind of background started because I've, I've lived all around the world, actually. Um, I was born in Hong Kong, lived there until I was 10. Uh, I have American family, uh, lived in, in Australia. Now I live in Italy. So I've been working with people from around the world in multinational settings for many, many years teaching English. And uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to move into more one-to-one uh, focused coaching that I do now, uh, yeah. fo- focused on communication, yeah. Yeah, so does someone need to speak perfect English to be a effective communicator? Or is that one of, one of the communication myths? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. They do not need to be a, a perfe- perfect communicator in English, no. You know that English is spoken by more people who weren't born as English speakers around the world nowadays. So actually, um, in business, people speak with more of an international English. And, you know, one of the things that I try to help people realize is that they don't have to be perfect speakers of English to move forward in their careers and to speak in meetings. And once we get over this perfection myth, then we can really move forward with being effective in our communication. Communication is a two-way process. You know, it involves at least two people. So listening is a huge part of that. And becoming a better uh, communicator, we need to improve um, our listening skills, active listening skills. I know you've written a lot about that, Aaron, in some of your posts on LinkedIn. 
How yeah, important someone active have, listening is. <laughs> someone said, uh, there's a reason why we have two ears and a mouth. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are hearing, but not listening, aren't they? This different thing. So uh, we need to really focus on being intentional with how we approach listening in a conversation. So that means, you know, going in without distractions, not thinking about, oh, what do I want to achieve from this conversation, but also being open to what the other person wants to achieve. Uh, looking at their body language, you know, is their facial expression actually matching what they're saying? Do they look uncomfortable? Are they folding their arms? You know, um, and the other thing is, is just being open-minded about your communication. So being open about what the other person might want to really say to you and not judge them for that. You mentioned about uh, international English. What is yeah. international English and what is English? Is there a difference between the two? Mm, that's a, such a good question. I think that international English is what people uh, need to use to communicate functionally. Um, so often in my experience, when uh, English teachers teach English as a language in a, in a language school, They're teaching a lot of like colloquial phrases, you know, idiomatic expressions. So they might teach, oh, I want to think outside the box or, um, you know, it's raining cats and dogs. Okay, these kind of phrases and stuff. But um, in an international setting, you know, if you're speaking to people who don't know those phrases, right, um, you're not necessarily going to get your point across. Okay, so the point is that we want to focus on communicating clearly And with our audience in mind. So if you have an international audience in mind, you want to think about using language that the majority of people are going to understand instead of using impressive language, right? Like colloquial expressions. Because mm -hmm. the, the outcome is quite different, right? I mean, you're not there. Mm -hmm. you're, you're there to try to achieve a mutual outcome. You're not there to impress mm -hmm. people. Exactly. Yeah. That is one of the things. People think that they need to be impressive or sound smart by using a lot of also, you know, kind of jargon, um, big words, right? And even myself as a native English speaker, I don't necessarily know all of the terms that might be related to someone's job. So when you speak to someone, you have to think about, you know, who your audience is, what they might understand or know already, So uh, you've touched on a, one of the common myths, which is around uh, perfection. Someone, mm. A lot of people think that we need to be perfect when we communicate in order to be a good communicator. And uh, you think that's, uh, that's actually wrong. Uh, what, what are some of the top three common communication myths uh, that you have come across and people should really try to stay away from? Yeah, I think the, um, what uh, another one that, that is a big mistake people make is trying to talk a lot. So they think that to, to be a good communicator, they need to talk a lot. They need to talk fast. Um, when actually what we want is to put less effort on our audience to our audience who's listening to us when we're speaking, they have to process a lot of information. So the better that we can reduce the amount that we talk, and reduce the amount of words we use or ideas in one set uh, sentence, for example, 
the easier it's going to be for our audience to understand us. So um, we always have to think about the process that our audience goes through in understanding our message and making it shorter and easier for them to get the message. So that's one of the uh, main myths I would talk, say. Um, the other one we talked about was, was listening. Um, listening should be more important than speaking. And the third one was about um, using, let's say, intellectual language or smart, trying to sound smart. At the end of the day, as I said, we always have to think about our audience. So don't think about ourselves and how we sound to others. We want to think about how they're going to get our message, okay, and try and make it the easiest for them to understand. So you mentioned you used to be a, a teacher. Now you mm-hmm. sort of um, move away from that. You're doing more sort of one-on-one coaching uh, with individual clients mm-hmm. on how to help them uh, become a, a better communicator, right? So mm-hmm. how how can somebody, so for our listeners on the call, how, how can they start improving their own communication? Are there books that they need to read or is it more of a um, sort of the, the more practices they get, the, the better... Should they solicit more feedback from, from the listeners? You know, what are some of the concrete steps uh, someone can undertake to become better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it depends on how, um, how well you understand where your challenges are. So I think um, sometimes if you, if you sit down and you really reflect on where your issues are, you can work on it yourself for sure. So an example would be to sit down and think about some recent meetings you've had, okay, a situation where you're communicating in a group or even a one-to-one basis and think about what happened during that meeting, okay? Um, where did the miscommunication happen? Where did um, I, I go wrong? Think about then what you need to achieve to overcome that block the next time. So, if you were feeling a lack of confidence, okay, think about why. Why did I feel a lack of confidence? Did I feel like I didn't have the right uh, in words to express my ideas? Did I feel like uh, I didn't know how to answer questions that were spontaneous? Okay. And so when you identify the problems you're having, then you can start to work on solutions. So it might be that you need to prepare better for your meetings. You need to spend a bit more time thinking of your ideas first. So that's uh, one way. The other way is you can. You can work with a coach or somebody to help you identify those issues that you're having. And I would say that often it's not about um, studying or reading more. Often it is about a very simple process of identifying your challenges, trying to set some small goals to work on. So let's say next time in my meeting, I want to be more confident. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Um, A, B, and C. Try it out and then reflect again on on your progress. Um, Because communication is is live, right? So you can't study it in a book. You have to get there, out there, and actually do it (laughs) to improve. Yeah, Yeah. and really learn from those mistakes. And one thing that has been quite helpful to me, not so much on communication, but I think every uh, every hiccup that I face in life is to really look at them as uh, lessons learned rather than failure mm-hmm. in itself. Exactly. Um, so I try to look at it that way. Um, so, 
Another question that I I hear a lot is that uh, so for I guess for meetings uh, for uh, prepare dialogues those things like you said we can prepare we can research for those conversations right but a lot of people have challenges uh, with spontane like being put on the spot to answer questions to think on their feet right and what mm-hmm. what can like for those circumstances what can those people do. So there's a few things you can do. First of all is don't be ashamed to pause and take time to collect your thoughts. I think there's a misconception that people have to speak immediately to be instantly knowledgeable. And it's not true. I think that people will appreciate that you actually take time to consider what you're going to say before speaking. So don't be afraid of pausing and collecting your thoughts a bit. Um, the other thing is you can also... Use some set phrases that you prepare beforehand to help you feel more comfortable. If you feel like the pause is too long, so you could say something like, "Okay, I haven't thought about that before. You know, let me let me take a second to think about that before I respond." So when you learn a few of these set phrases, you can feel really confident in just um, giving yourself a few extra moments to prepare your answer. To buy yourself a bit more time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, at least for me in the past, sometimes we, I, I felt like I had the urge to just give an answer on the spot, mm-hmm. but no one is actually giving us that pressure. It's actually perfectly okay to say I don't know from time to time, and I think, like you said, right, is sometimes they don't ex- people don't expect us to have all the answers on the spot, and it's perfectly okay to take our time to pause and to come back to them when we're ready. Absolutely. And Aaron, I would say if anyone here who is listening is um, a team leader or running meetings in a multinational setting, one really good thing that they can do to avoid the situation is to just warn people in advance a bit. Don't put them on the spot because um, it's hard enough, even in your own native language, to answer spontaneous questions. But when you do that, For someone who is speaking a second language, it really creates a lot of unnecessary pressure. So there are so many ways that we can assist each other uh, to not to avoid these types of situations. And one of those is to give a bit of warning, um, to send out an agenda or a talking point, or just even tell the person for a few minutes in advance that you're going to ask them a question. Let's talk about screw ups. Because not every communication goes according to plan. Sometimes mm. you might have said something wrong, and you wish you hadn't done that during that meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's What's a good comeback? How How can people sort of uh, save themselves from those situations? If you had mistake, if you had said something wrong, said something that you shouldn't have said, how could they turn the situation around? That's yeah. I think being honest is important. You know. Like if you if you screw up and and you say, hang on, I, I spoke too fast there, or I I spoke before I had properly considered. Let let me try that again. People appreciate honesty because you know you're they're gonna see it if you if you try and cover up and and pretend that you didn't say something or cover up your mistake. Okay, they'll see it anyway. So let's you know let's be honest and. Value the other person's intelligence as well, um, but I think one way is just to try and avoid screw ups by is by being more um, clarifying. Okay, so 
when we don't understand something, rather than just being afraid to ask and say, oh, I, I, I didn't understand, it's, it's much better to do that than to continue your communication in the wrong direction. So I always advise people to clarify by paraphrasing what they've understood. You mentioned about 45% of our communication comes from listening, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we are having a conversation with someone, how do we know that it is successful? Because uh, the receiving party might not tell you, on, I guess, in your face uh, that they're getting the message or you're being, you're being effective, right? What are some of the cues that uh, people can observe um, to know that, okay, yeah, they're being effective? Mm. That's such interesting because I think it's really cultural as well. I think some cultures will not be, you know, if you just say to somebody, oh, do you understand? Of course, they're not going to say, no, I didn't understand. So <laughs> you do, you have to be really um, present and watching them. As I said earlier about the nonverbal cues and body language, facial expressions, somebody's looking confused, but they're nodding their head up and down. Maybe they don't quite understand. Um, so one way you can you can do it is to outright ask them, and you, you but you don't have to say, "Do you understand?" You could say, "Am I being clear? Um, is everything clear so far? Um, would you like to ask me any questions?" The other way is to continuously summarize or rephrase what you've said. So don't assume that the first time you've said something it's going to be understood. At the end of your speaking, do a little recap and rephrase using different words what you've just said. Then check again if that person has really got it. I, I like what you just said. Don't assume that the first time you say something, people are going to understand. Mm -hmm. Usually when there's misunderstanding, uh, it's never a one-party problem. It's usually both sides, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's not a bad thing when these miscommunication happen. I think we have to understand, like, you know, as we're working in uh, multinational settings, most of the time, we, we have to expect that there are so many different nuances um, in people's culture that affect how they, they speak. So it's b better to be open and upfront, just asking, you know, are, are you following me or clarifying yourself? Yeah. So you just gave an example uh, of a question that we should avoid asking people. Do you understand mm -hmm. me? <laughs> um, so in a multinational setting, right, what are some of the big no-nos that you have come across? And are there any best practices uh, that you would, you would normally uh, suggest other people to, to follow in a multinational setting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the best practices would be, like be best practice that we follow usually for any meeting, is to give lots of advance notice about it. So sending out an agenda before your meeting with your talking points and letting people know if you want specifically want them to participate in something. So giving them a, that extra time to prepare is really important. And then, of course, at the beginning of your meeting, just outlining what th what you're going to talk about, but also establish some ground rules. OK, so especially in a multinational setting, not everybody will be used to openly asking questions or 
waiting to, per, for a particular part of the meeting to ask questions. So just saying, you know, okay, in today's meeting, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this and then I'm going to open up for questions. So please feel free. We, we welcome questions because some cultures, people don't welcome questions. You know, there's a hierarchy. So we want to be open about the way that we're going to run the meeting and say, this is acceptable and this is how we're going to, to have it. And then, of course, um, throughout the meeting, just giving lots of opportunities for input, not only spoken, but maybe some written input as well. Um, so at the end of the meeting, you could send out a summary and invite feedback through writing. Again, people might not feel comfortable speaking openly in the meeting, and they might feel more comfortable giving feedback at the end. So just giving lots of different ways for people to to participate that might not always be that they have to speak in front of a big group of people mm. on the spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very handy. Mm. Around uh, building up confidence and how to speak up, and I, I tend to hear this a lot more from introverts or from, from females in particular about mm. speaking up in front of a big audience, right? How could somebody, uh, assuming that their first language might not be English, how could they build up their confidence and be able to speak up in front of a big group? I think that confidence, it means something different for everyone. So um, for me, confidence has is the self-belief that I can handle a situation. And I know that for a lot of women, it's really hard to speak up because being assertive can be seen as, you know, being aggressive um, in some cultures. And if you don't feel like you have the permission to speak up freely, that can stop you. So if you don't speak English as a first language, I recommend um, building some tools and strategies that help you to speak up. So that might be looking at your meeting agenda, if you have that in advance, and thinking about and planning where you might want to interact, okay, and preparing things that you might want to say first, and thinking about how you might participate. So, for example, um, I recommend like the piggyback, I call it the piggyback technique. So for somebody who doesn't feel confident just putting their hand up first and giving their opinion. They can wait for a colleague to say something and then they can start talking by supporting what the other person has said and agreeing or disagreeing with them. So when you identify a few different ways that you can participate that feel comfortable with you, um, you can use these techniques and practice them first, like prepare them. Then you're going to be much more confident when you're in the real life setting. And the best way, is there, is there a good way to start this, I guess, small, small chat? Or is, because uh, I read somewhere, um, I forgot whether you wrote it or someone else wrote it, uh, which is try to avoid saying, uh, I think, blah, 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 because we, we start a sentence where I think it diminishes uh, our confidence. I was wondering in your experience, right, what if mm -hmm. someone were to uh, chime in on an idea during a business setting, uh, what's, what's a better way to to start this uh, small chats? Mm. I think it just so depends on the situation. When we use, I think, we're kind of softening our, our entrance into the chat. So 
if you do that, it might be because you, you don't want to offend the other person, okay, because you're disagreeing with them. It depends on the impression that you want to give in your meeting. So um, doing that will soften your, your agreement or disagreement. If you want to be stronger and more assertive, you could say, you know, I believe or this is. So you can just start with a fact. But again, that can sound too strong in some cases. So I think you have to really be aware of, of the situation and the people in the room. Because the reason I'm asking this question is because I've also faced similar uh, situations when I was, I guess, younger. Um, mm. uh, I moved to Australia in my, in my teen years. I was 18, 19. Yeah, obviously, I was doing quite well in Hong Kong, but uh, I was never, um, like compared to native uh, English speakers, I was my, my English proficiency was, was not quite there. So mm-hmm. when I was put in front of smart speakers, fast spark, uh, fast speakers, I would tend to hold myself and I would tend to not speak. So I'm, yeah. and I assume a lot of people are also uh, facing this, uh, this, this situations if, uh, I guess they're, if um, they're, their, their first language is not English or it's not whatever uh, in, in uh, whatever country that they're, they're residing in, right? So in those situations, uh, we talked about the uh, the preparation that is needed and really thinking ahead, uh, the the, agenda, the what are the agenda items that we could help uh, contribute in those dialogues, right? But in those heated debates, sometimes it's very hard to sort of weigh yourself in in those conversations, right? Mm-mm-mm. Is there anything is there anything those people can do in in those situations? Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Okay, so in in situations where people um, feel like they're going to be talked over or they don't feel confident, so one one approach is try to be the f- the first person to speak when something's open. Okay, to get to get your voice in before anyone else. If that's not possible, and there are people who are just talking over you then I think that sometimes it's it's possible to interrupt if it's polite. And so you can use an assertive phrase in, in this case. So you can say, oh, may I speak here? Sorry to interrupt, but may I speak here? I have something to add on to that. Um, because, you know, we, we have to value ourselves. And if we're hol- holding our, ourselves back from speaking in a meeting just because of the language, um, we're cutting ourselves short, really. So um, we need to give ourselves the, the best chance. And I've done this before as well in meetings in Italian. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, you don't feel like you can keep up. But what I learned was that I have a voice. And just because my voice is not exactly the same as the native speaker in the language I'm using... I'm at the meeting for a reason. I have something valuable to share. So if if you don't feel comfortable interrupting, okay, you, you can talk to your, try and talk to the leaders about that and say, look, you know, this situation's happening. I'm, I'm not getting the, the opportunity. So you, you need to take a, a more proactive stance, I think. Mm-hmm. And and that comes from mindset, right? It's the first point. Understanding that you have value to add. Yeah. No, I think that's what you said is very profound. Um, just simply the reason why we're at that meeting is because you you, you also have something to contribute back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, back to the meeting and the audience, and also what you said at the uh, at the start of the conversation around some of the communication myths around uh, what's effective and what's not effective, and just because someone is talking very fast or uh, they're using a lot of big words does not necessarily mean that they are a better uh, communicator. So I think um, it's, uh, it's good awareness to have uh, when we're in this multinational business setting. Who can people learn from uh, if they want to sort of brush up their, their communication? Do you, have, do you have an idol? Do you have a role model? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I, I mean... If I want to, to look at good speakers, I, I love watching, you know, TED Talks. That's the classic, you know, you you have some amazing speakers there. Like, I think Amy Cuddy is, is one who I like to watch. She talks about using positive body language to be more assertive. Um, but I would say, like, find somebody who you, you see in real life often communicating. So there might be somebody who you look up to in a meeting and you go, wow, this person sounds great or this person always has a really good presence and just copy them notice what they do right so it what is it that you like about their communication style do they sound confident what is it that makes them sound confident do they use um i'm thinking actually now about somebody that i work with frequently who i love her communication style because she's very empathetic she always responds by um, acknowledging what the other person has said, and she's a fantastic listener. So I model myself a little bit off her, and I try to pick up things and repeat them the way that she communicates because I, I love her style. So, you know, let's find people who are in our circle so that we can continuously learn and from them. Have you got anyone, Erin, who you like who communicates well? Uh, I've, I, I gotta say, I would have to say it's, uh, probably the, the GM will hire me back in 2011. Uh, so uh -huh. I, got, I got my first, uh, full-time consulting job back in Asia. I was working in Sydney at the time and he flew me to Melbourne and I flew me to Hong Kong for interviews. Uh, probably one of the most empathetic leaders I've come across, even my current manager, Microsoft, she's been great. Uh, so Microsoft's got a great culture. So we've, we've got a framework called model, model coach care for all the manager. Uh, and actually two-thirds of our performance management is around uh, working with people and helping people to succeed. Um, so that also helps, I, th I think, in terms of driving that collaborative uh, culture. So my current manager and the, the, the general manager who hired me almost 10 years ago has got incredibly high uh, emotional intelligence, uh, a big fan of, um, of the work from Daniel Goldman. Uh, so that's also how I got interested in leadership and a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I will say these two people have had a, a lot of influences uh, on, on, on how I communicate and how I try to empathize with other people. Obviously, I can't get it right uh, in every single situation. Um, mm. But when I have time to pause, I will try to think, oh, what would he have done in this situation? What would he have said? Uh, in this situation to to make it better and how could i how what could i have done differently to make it a better experience uh to the to the receiving party um for me it's a it's a progress uh it's a lifelong progress to be made and to to keep improving uh can't get it right all the time like you said and uh, we can just but i can 
the better thing to do is to identify the situation, like you said, reflect mm-hmm. on it and think about what we could have done uh, differently to make it a better experience uh, for, for the receiver. That's so right, Aaron. I love what you said about that. It, it's a continuous learning process. I mean, I'm not by any means a perfect communicator at all either, um, you know, because by the, the fact is that communicating is with people. So every person is different. And so therefore you, you have to continuously adapt and, and try to tailor your communication style to those who you're working with and speaking with. So there's no way that you can ever say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm a great communicator now. Uh, I'm finished. So I, I really like your attitude to that. And I, I do think that you have a great communication style, very empathetic. Thank you. Uh, so during my time in, in Sydney, and this company was uh, under, undergoing acquisition. Uh, so I was working with a team of uh, consultants, and mm-hmm. one of them is a Korean, is a Korean woman. Um, she was very quiet, uh, so I wouldn't say we had a very intimate relationship, well, very uh, close relationship uh, at work. And when that acquisition uh, happened, uh, and I've... I found out that um, they actually had to get rid of half of the team uh, in, in the new organization. So she just pulled me aside in uh, into a conference room and I, I didn't know what was coming. And the next thing I knew was uh, she broke down in front of me. She uh, started crying, tearing up. And then she told me that she uh, she got let go. And for, on the same day, uh, the her fiance also called off the wedding. Oh, so no. it was... Uh, it was a terrible time for her, but uh, that was one of the times where I was put on a spot, uh, but I did not know how to react. Uh, all I did was I just gave her a hug and uh, you know, just said, I'm really sorry to hear about that. But um, but yeah, I really, really enjoy all your sharing today. And I think it's going to make a lot of differences in many people's lives. And just before we wrap up our, our podcast, though, and I asked this question to all the all the guests who have appeared on our, on our show here. And mainly because uh, one of the reasons why I started this podcast was really because of uh, an experience I, I went through with my son and I wanted to help start uh, more, help spread more positivity around the world and help people become a better future self, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, just wanted to uh, pass that stage back to you. If there is one thing that people could do differently uh, to make our world a better place in your profession, in your experience, what do, what do you think that one thing should be? Listen, for me is to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Listen openly with an open heart, an open mind. Don't always uh, try to get your agenda. Try to think about the other person and and put yourself in their shoes, empathize with them and ask questions, you know, just find out more um, from the other person. I think that if people listened more to each other in the world, you know, it would just be such such a better place. You know, um, we're we're all connected. That's if anything has taught me in my life living in different countries. It's like language is. Many people see it as a barrier, right? That, but we're all human. At the end of the day, we all have the same emotions. We just language stops us from being able to express it in the same way. Maybe so when you are speaking to somebody who has a different mother tongue or a native language to you, just be aware that 
just because they're not expressing themselves in the way that you might expect something to be expressed, they still have the same emotion, the same feelings. So we need to treat them the same way and just be open-minded about that. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you, Hannah. And one of the things I like to say is that if we could communicate with my three-year-old son with limited vocabularies and limited uh, language, right? We can really communicate to anyone on this planet. Exactly, right? Um, I have a two-year-old daughter too, Erin, and um, mainly when I see that she's struggling to communicate, I just have to listen and think, okay, what is she telling me that she can't say through her words? So um, what is her body language telling me? What is her emotion telling me? And just try to work through that. Uh, Yeah, having children is probably the biggest lesson you can have in communication. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, thank you so much for coming on our podcast again and sharing all the stories and insights about how to become a better uh, communicator in a multinational setting. And I hope you uh, keep well with your family. And I can't wait to meet you guys again in Hong Kong. Maybe sometime uh, when when travel opens up again, we'll travel to Italy and meet you guys. Thanks, Aaron. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's been a great chat. Likewise. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the chat. I always say our life is very much like discovering what the next chapter is in our own book. And what we do today can change the narrative in the next chapter. Our life, given by nature, is short, but it's not the duration that matters. What matters more is how many meaningful things we can do and how many people we can help in our life. I hope you have gotten some inspiration and new ideas about what you can do differently today. And as you are doing it, remember to also change the ecosystem so that you can sustain it. I firmly believe our world will be a much better place if all of us are focusing on becoming a better future self together with the people we love. See you in the next episode.